0: Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Race for the Prize. You can get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet by going to racefortheprize.com. 30 bucks for the month of February, 12 bucks for a given weekend. Send me an email if you want to try to work out a deal since we are halfway through the month. Today, we are going to talk about whether Atlanta is a super speedway. Short and sweet, if you don't have much time, yes it is. Is it a full-blown super speedway? Probably not. But for the most part, if we had to relegate it to super speedway or intermediate track, it's a no-brainer super speedway. To say anything else is clickbait. To say anything else is pretentious. It reminds me of when I became a super wrestling nerd in the late 90s and early 2000s and was really into ECW and independent storylines and the smaller characters. And meanwhile, people were watching Rikishi slap his butt on people and loving it. And I sat there and said, oh, this isn't real wrestling. This isn't real. And I couldn't enjoy WWE because I was a super nerd. And that's what it's like if you're sitting there saying, well, Atlanta's not a true Daytona or Talladega. Yeah, okay. It also reminds me of the times in the past when I've learned a lot growing up. When I was a super indie alt music fan and I would go to a bar or restaurant or event and they were playing just, you know, top 100 radio and I could never have a good time because this is real music. It's pretentious. If you want to be able to enjoy Atlanta, just enjoy Atlanta. Don't be a super snob about it. It's a super speedway. Is it pure Daytona? No. Is it pure Talladega? No. We'll go through the data and look at what it is, and it kind of varies in series, truck series, Xfinity series, cup series, because the packages are different, then it changes the way that Atlanta races. We do need to be careful with that. But for all intents and purposes, it's a super speedway. It's a stack in the back. It can vary a little bit. Well, look at the date. I mean, if you were just to simply look, we got Atlanta, The first ever race here, then the second ever race, and you just simply asked yourself, how does Atlanta in 2022 compare to an intermediate track? Sure, the one and the two stand out. Oh my God, the optimal lineup had a driver starting first and second. We can't stack in the back. Well, it also had drivers starting 25th, 24th, 27th, and 22nd. That sure seems like a stack in the back, but I know... The overreaction crowd saying, but there's a second-place driver. All right, let me calm those fears. First of all, the average starting position of a driver in the optimal lineup in the second Atlanta race was 17th. The finish was 5th. The finish is very similar to the number we target at Daytona and at Talladega. The average starting position creeps a little bit closer. Daytona is 26th. So, yes, 17th is closer than 26th. But 17th is still pretty far in the back. Still worry? Here we go. Let's go ahead and put some water on that fire, and I'll calm you down a little bit. And calm down. It's not a super speedway crowd. Well, look at Ross Chastain. He squeezes into the optimal lineup, starting second. He scores the sixth most fantasy points. You could have very easily, in your lineup, started the driver finish starting 32nd in Bubba Wallace. He scored five fewer points. I am going to tell you, and I might be going out on a limb. I doubt it. If you played Chase Elliott and then stack these four and then another five, so a 5 and one build, which we have seen be successful at Daytona, which we have seen be successful at Talladega, five in the back, one towards the front. There it is right there. That is a stack in the back. You could have even gone with Cole Custer starting 18th or Brad Kazowski starting 31st. He scores the 12th most fantasy points. That's still a lot. Sure, Brad was 11 points down from Ross Chastain, but it's not that crazy. We had enough drivers in the back scoring fantasy points. Again, we ran off top 15 in terms of fantasy score. Todd Gillen starting 28th. Corey LaJoy, everybody's darling, starting 30th. There is plenty of good lineups, winning lineups, money making lineups that had the stack in the back formula. And you could have even just faded Chase Elliott, probably. Now, somebody got unique and took down the GPP by playing him, but a lot of people made a lot of money without playing him at all. That's the Cup Series. Let's look at some of these other optimal lineups. Then we'll break down the Cup races, and we'll try to look at the truck. I got some notes I can put up to give you an idea of how these races play out, but let's just first start out by looking at some of the optimal lineups. In the first Atlanta race, we get... 11 cautions. 23 cars on the lead lap. So half the field is not on the lead lap. Half the field is taken out. The wrecks are not as chaotic as Daytona and Talladega because the cars don't run as close together. They're still pretty close. Much closer than an intermediate track. Um, If I had to really quickly just give you an idea, think of IROC. Think of The way Daytona raced late 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't a complete pack for 200 laps. They spread out a little bit, but not enough. They didn't get enough separation. You get a caution, you'd bring them back together. You could have chaos. Even when they kind of spread out a little bit, they still were close enough that they could get runs on each other and they could get loose and you could get wrecks, but often some of the wrecks would just take out a car or two instead of everyone. You get three wide loose, you get out, you get wrecked, and people have time to react, to move out of the way, but then you have to re-rack for a restart, and then you gotta pack again, and then you can get big wrecks then. So it uh, can be pretty hairy. Anyway, seven cautions in this, or 11 cautions. Sounds pretty hairy to me. That was in the first one. 23 lead lap. Uh, you had an average green flag run of 21 which isn't a lot, it's not super short, but it does tend to lead to chaos, which then tends to lead to lineups that favor drivers that are gunning for place differential. Those are just the facts. Whether it meets the eyeball test of being a pure plate race, I think the sheer numbers of 11 cautions, 23 on the lead lap, and an average run of 21.7, These numbers signify that, yeah, it's going to lean stack in the back. You go to the 2022 race, second race, which 15 green flag laps, 21 on the lead lap, 13 cautions. We got fewer cautions in 2023, but we still had a significant amount of cars not on the lead lap. The green flag runs in the second Atlanta race were pretty low as well. We get a bunch of restarts. We get cars close together. We get aggression. And it's going to be unique this year, being that this is going to be our second super speedway in a row. And we saw last week at Daytona a lot of wrecked race cars. The Cup Series wrecked everyone. The Truck Series wrecked everyone. The Xfinity Series wrecked everyone. Why would that change this week? If they were gunning last week and they came up empty, you might as well double down. Are you gonna come away and say, we tore up race cars, let's just take it easy this week. Or you can say, well, let's just do it again and see what happens. If you take it easy and the other guy says, oh, cool, you're taking it easy, well, I'm gonna go for the win, sucker. You know, you look around the table, you look for the sucker and you can't find it, then it's you. You wanna take it easy? That's my advantage. You wanna lay back? Sweet. So then you say to yourself, all right, well, maybe I'll be the one that goes for it and everybody else is going to take it easy. And then in the end, everybody, it's like that Spider-Man meme. Everybody is pointing at each other. Everybody's a fed, right? The whole conspiracy. We're all working for the government all along. We didn't know it. We all (laughs) bribe each other in. So there's your data right there. Seven cautions is enough, not very many in this one, but this one still produces a pretty good lineup. Let's go and look at 2020. Let's just look at these optimal lineups at Atlanta if you need data to support it. But again, I'm in the camp, which is just, maybe we're marks, but it's the least pretentious. I'm not trying to create click cri- cri- clickbait. It's a super speedway. And I believe it's going to continue to evolve into a super speedway. And if the weathers are cool and the track is cool, There's going to be a lot of grip and even in Xfinity series where we have low downforce and I expect to be the least of the super speedways, it's going to be more of a super speedway. The truck's no doubt about it. There's so much drag in the trucks. I'll put my notes up on here. So in the Xfinity series, because of the package and they have more horsepower, less drag, you're going to see more of an old school Daytona. They will spread out. They will get single car, but... There also is a little less talent in the series or experience in this series. And, you know, I could see the cup drivers being able to control themselves at Atlanta in the Xfinity Series. What we have seen in the past, they will spread out, but then they will wreck. And then they will get back together, and then they will wreck. And I would expect that to happen in this year's Atlanta race. It may not look like, in your eyes, Daytona, but it's going to end up that way in the final result you're gonna get enough wreck cars, you're gonna get guys move forward, but you could also get a guy really leading a lot of laps. You could get guys up front pretty much in control the entire time, but then by the end, through attrition, through the way the race plays out, there's gonna be enough guys that sneak in from the back. Almost kind of like a Pocono that we would get back in the day or like a Fontana. Not as Fontana, but it's like got that feel where, you know, Fontana's a regular intermediate track race. But we would get enough wrecks and restarts that in the end you would get guys that would gain a bunch of place differential on the last restart on that wide track, making up some pretty big gains through attrition. Same thing with Pocono, but much more um, exaggerated than that. If we are putting a, a spectrum of Daytona to on one side and then Fontana and Pocono on the other, in terms of kind of how those races play out, this is much more on the side of daytona on the spectrum but it's an interesting comparison when we look at the Atlantic xfinity still expecting pretty much chaos there the trucks should just be straight old plate racing because they just don't have the horsepower there's so much drag they punch a big hole of air in when they're driving they can't get separation and you can see that in seven cautions 19 on the lead lap, 11 cautions, 25 on the lead lap. Your average green flag run, 7, 11. Those are not very long laps whatsoever. Plenty of carnage and chaos. If you were to say, you know, rank these, which one's the most super speedway-ish? It's obviously going to be the Atlanta afternoon race. Then it's going to be a cup race. in the least is Atlanta Xfinity, although that's more of the eyeball test. If we're looking for just straight results, I think it goes Truck Xfinity, in terms of winning lineups, then Cup. In terms of watching the race and looking like a super speedway, it'll be Truck Cup Xfinity. is just going to be a different brand, and that's mainly because of the package, not so much because of the track. Less drag, more horsepower, more separation, but still you're going full throttle high speeds, which means it gets pretty dangerous and hairy, and you're going to get wrecks just running that style of race. All right, let's look at some Cup Optimals. And just see where we stand in terms of building. So if we look at the very first Atlanta race, we do have guys starting closer to the front. Kurt Busch starting ninth, Russ Chastain starting 7th, William Byron starting in the front as well. Byron starts 12th, Chastain 7th, Kurt Busch ninth. And then we have Suarez starting 13th. Yikes, scary. But it is also the top six drivers, all fit into the lineup. But then we got a 33 in of Joy. We got a 26 in Mark Trucks Jr. But then again, and I made sure I made the point on the sheet to show you this because some people are going to freak out and look at these numbers. And it is a small sample size of four Atlanta races. And I would definitely focus more on the Atlanta results than I would say Daytona or Talladega, but I believe you can look at Daytona and Talladega results. That does not bother me. But lineup build wise, regardless of drivers, now you want to look at drivers and make picks based on that. I still want to look at Atlanta, but I will expand that analysis to Daytona and to Talladega. If I want to look at lineup construction I will look a little bit more at these specific Atlanta races, and yeah, you're going to see four drivers starting inside the top 15 finish in the optimal lineup, and that's going to freak people out. But again, if we expand our view of this race and don't just get hyper-focused and hyper-focused on the optimal lineup, if we're looking through the microscope too much and we're staring at the problem too much, sometimes we need to step back and stand away and see the big picture and it's going to kind of change our view we're going to see you know you're getting lost the the forest for the trees look we look at who scored the seventh most fantasy points that driver started 22nd the driver that scored the eighth most fantasy points was josh balicki starting 36th when we were only looking at the optimal lineup you were sitting there freaking out oh my god i can't do a stack in the back all we had to do was take one step back, see the big picture. Oh, you got Justin Haley starting 22nd. That's a stack in the back. You got a Josh Balicki starting 36th. Spent most of the race in back half of the field. At a $5,000 price tag. We go back to the driver that scored the 10th most fantasy points. It was Kozlowski starting 24th. Oh, I guess it seems like a Daytona. David Reagan, 11th most fantasy points starting 35th. 12th most fantasy points, Greg Biffle in the part-time ride, 37. BJ McLeod, 14th most fantasy points, starting 34th. 15, Eric Jones starting 23rd. It's not Daytona. It's not Talladega. But boy, that seems pretty close. Now, if we only looked at the top six and we're hyper-focused on that, you have a completely different picture. But when we add more data. When we expand our analysis, we start to see really what it is. Let's look at Atlanta 2. Again, not pure super speedway, but pretty close. We already looked at this one. Four drivers in the top six were stacked stack in the back. You add in Bubba. You even got Kozlowski, Gilly, and LaJoy down here. That's a stack in the back. Let's look at Atlanta at the beginning of this season. 23, Atlanta Cup Series. We get only five cautions. 23 in the lead lap though, equal to these. We got some pretty long green flag runs. Ask yourself, boy, that sounds like this is not gonna be a stack in the back. I mean, two of those cautions are stage breaks. We only have three real cautions in the spring Atlanta race. Let's look at what the data says. Well, wouldn't you know it? We still get three stack in the backs, Corley Joy, Ty Gibbs, and Eric Jones. Starting in the back, finishing in the top 10. We do get a lap leader, which one would expect we would get. Starts first, finishes first, is in control of the entire race. Joey Logano in the spring Atlanta race. There wasn't very many cautions. There were long green flag runs. We have seen that happen occasionally at Atlanta or at Talladega and Daytona. Not very often, but it can happen. It did happen at Atlanta. It could happen more often at Atlanta than other racetracks. We don't have a large data set yet to conclude that that's always gonna be the case. You can lean in that direction. I have no problem leaning in that direction, but if we think that the track's going to have more grip, and allow for more side-by-side racing, then we could have a different story, especially as the drivers become more familiar and as the drivers are now running a back-to-back super speedway race. Brad Keselowski starting up front, Tyler Reddick starting up front. So we have this next section from drivers scoring from fifth to ninth, all starting in the teens. Yeah, that scares you a little bit. But then if we expand just a little bit, and we're talking about a handful of points separating these drivers. The driver that scored the 10th most fantasy points, eight points away from the top six, started 30th in A.J. Allmanning. Then we got a 22 scoring 11th most, 12th most starting 18th, 13th most fantasy points, of Ricky Stenoff starting 27th, 14th most fantasy points, Martin Trick Jr. starting 29th, 23rd, twenty-one. That's a stack in the back is the line moved up more. Yeah, it's not a pure. All right. I'm starting everyone 30th or back. You're obviously going to draw your line in the sand much closer to the front. Maybe that line's going to be 20th. Maybe that line's going to be 18th. It's going to be up to you. As we said earlier, the average starting position of a optimal line of driver at Atlanta is 17th. A lot of that though has been heavily influenced on, Guys starting first and second, finishing in the top six. Those are optimal lineups. I would like to know what the numbers are for the actual winning lineups because I would suspect that the average starting position for winning lineups that have actually been built is probably going to be closer to 20th. Like I said, with that 2022 second race, with Ross Chastain qualifying, starting second, I'm willing to bet the house that the winning lineup did not have Chastain in it and Elliott in it. They likely had Bubba Wallace, Cole Custer, or Brad Keselowski in it. They may have had both of them in it. And if that were the case, then obviously the average starting position of the winning lineup would not be as high or low as it is. And then let's look at the final Atlanta race. Looking at our notes here. Seven cautions, so we add two more as compared to the spring. We get more cars in the lead lap, but our green flag runs are significantly cut down, which is going to cut down on lap leader points. And it just infers that we're going to have more cautions, more brakes, more wrecks, and possibly good cars being taken out, possibly cars starting up the front being taken out and opening the door for some place differential plays. So let's look at the optimal lineup from 2023. Again, I'm in the camp that it's a super speedway, but I'm going to let you look at the data and let you make up your mind on your own. Well, how about that? The optimal lineup for this race, the average starting position is, you can see on the bottom of the screen, 21 and a half. Pretty close to a Daytona. Byron starts 18th. Daniel Suarez starts 26th. AJ 19th. Kyle Bush, 22nd, Michael McDowell, 20th, and J.J. Gailey, 24th. As I just said about a minute and a half ago, where do you want to draw your line in the sand? 30th and back, no, that's a daytona Talladega trick. 20th and back, well, that's something to think about. Maybe we wanted to consider moving that line up to 18th, given that the average starting position of the optimal, not necessarily the winning, the optimal is 17th. Maybe 18 is the number to go with if you drew your line in the sand at 18th. Last summer in the second Atlanta race, then you're onto something. And you look at all these drivers in the top whatever, and this is the most current Atlanta race, and this is part of the evolution of the racetrack. As the drivers become more familiar with this racetrack, more familiar with the setup and the racing, it's going to slowly evolve into a Daytona in Talladega. On the spectrum between Super Speedway and like a Pocono slash... Fontana and then Overway on the far right, just got regular intermediates. It's it's going to slowly creep year after year, closer and closer to Daytona Talladega, and we are seeing that creep. All of the drivers practically from the top 15 in Fantasy are stacking the back options. When we look at the average starting position of drivers, we even let Blaney count. He's gonna keep our average down a little bit. But we look at the top 15 scores, the average starting position, 21.2, we take Blaney out because he scored 15th. We look at the top 14, fantasy scores, our average is 22.6. Stack in the back, friends. That is the way this weekend. You wanna open the door to a 5-1 bill in the Cup Series? No problem with that whatsoever. I think that is probably gonna be the way to go in all the series is maybe chase a laugh leader not worry about playing a really good car that starts near the front, that controls most of the race, gets some laps led, finishes in first, and ends up with an optimal day. Now, it depends on what the starting grid is going to look like. I would be leery of going 4-2. Um, I guess if there is a track where you could go with four in the back and maybe two towards the front, Atlanta is going to be the way for that to happen. More so than Daytona or Talladega. No way I'm going 3-3. Three, three. I'm open to 4-2. I think 5 and 1 is fine, and I really don't mind going 6 in the back. I really don't. And I know, people are going to argue, it's not a pure super speedway. And you are correct, but it doesn't need to be a pure super speedway. The cocaine doesn't have to be pure to get you high, folks. I don't know if you're aware of that. They can cut it a little bit and it still produces a very similar result. And so, yeah, this isn't pure pack draft racing. But it's enough of a pure pack draft racing to produce a lineup where we are playing drivers straight in the back. And again, remember, there were only seven cautions in this race. There were only seven cautions. But they started to count. And I think that they're going to race a little bit closer together. And that the race and the wrecks are going to start to count more and collect more and take more drivers out. Well, let's just look at some of these guys finishing in the back and see where they started. You got a lot of top 10 starting drivers, top 20 starting drivers finishing way in the back. I mean, five, six, seven, and eight scored almost no points at all. Well, they did score no points at all, they were negative points. The other drivers starting first get you nothing not even that great of an average starting position for Eric Albemarle is starting first. Joey Logano starting fourth, the hero of the first Atlanta race. You would say, all right, well, and so if you were going to sit here and say, this is not a super speedway and a guy can control it. So Joey Logano obviously had the setup in the spring race. He controlled the race for how many laps? A ton. Let's go ahead and just look at the pure number. He scored 84 fantasy points, 35 laps led, pure domination. We go back to Atlanta. He's starting up front again. Average running position is sixth. And ends up 16 fantasy points. He starts up front. He is up front all day. He doesn't score any fantasy points. Sounds like to me, that's a super speedway type of result. If this were Las Vegas, he starts up front. He's up front all day. Was awesome in the first Las Vegas race. How does that happen? Well, it's easy to understand how this could possibly happen. Finish the 17th. Very easy to quickly fade at a super speedway race and lose track position and get caught in a wreck or things can go wrong. We can see here. I imagine we're going to know. We did get the rain that came in, so I'm, that might have affected it a little bit. But either way, caution's happening. Let's look at the truck series as we start to wrap this thing up. Some optimal lineups. This is the one I believe will be the most super speedway-ish of all. Starting position, and it is, but it is a 5-1 build. Whew, that's a little scary, but then you zoom out a little bit, not so scary at all. All right, let's look at the starting position. Corey High most fantasy points, starting 19th, and he leads a bunch of laps. Zane Smith starts 25th. Ben Rhodes, 15th. We've seen that at a lot of Daytonas and Talladegas in the past. Ben Rhodes, starting in the teens, is always optimal. He's very good at this type of racing. He's very experienced. No concerns there. Jesse Little, starting 34th. Sounds like a super speedway. Derek Krause, starting 18th. Yes, it's not purely in the back, but we have seen that in the truck series where starting around that spot can work. Now, yeah, it's scary here where we got Friesen starting second, Priest 11th, Majeski fourth, Smith and Gray. So that will freak you out a little bit. But we go down here to 40 fantasy points compared to, what, 41. 40 fantasy points for Jordan Anderson compared to Chandler Smith's 42. Majeski's 43. Priest is 43. It's about three points difference. And you got Anderson starting 33rd. Not a lot separates these guys from 5th to 10th. Jack Wood, 22nd. Chris Hacker starting 29th. Majeskal starting 31st. Ross Chastain starting 36th. So if you look at the top 15, if we expand, if we zoom out, there's plenty of stack-in-the-back options. Is this a bit of a concern? Yes. But ultimately, only one of them slid into the optimal lineup. You very much could have faded Stuart Friesen's 47 points, taken Jordan Anderson at 40, and probably been fine winning the GPP. Maybe not. Maybe you need to go with a 5-1 build. That's fine, but... We are seeing a lot of trucks from the back finish up front, very similar to super speedway and the notes on that race seven cautions, only 19 trucks in the lead lap, 11.9 green flag run. Actually, sorry. That was, uh, cop. Oh, yeah. uh, nope, yes. Very good. Got a lot of sheets open. All right, let's look at last year's race. Okay, no worries here. John Hunter Imanchuk started 24th. Bayley Curry, second most fantasy points, started 30th. Nick Sanchez, 20th. He's a pretty good truck, though, by the way. He did get one in the front, and Christian Eckes, who led a bunch of laps, started 4th. Haley Deegan started 32nd. Brett Holmes started 33rd. Ryan Vargas started 35th. Hill 18. of 10. Then you get Ogata, 34th. Finishes in 17th. Still has a top 10 fantasy score. Pretty much a stack in the back. And you have enough of these guys up front, again, that may consider a little worrisome with Craft and Purdy. And there's Rhodes starting in the front. If there is a series where driver's experience and drivers with brand name. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't think you can completely ignore that in the truck series. And I don't believe that you can completely ignore that in the Xfinity series. Maybe not even in the cup series, but I don't think I have a problem with it. Typically in the cup series, we're just looking at starting position. You can look at a driver and you can look at what their finishing positions have been at super speedways. But even then, like a lot of times in the cup series, we're just looking at the starting positions to be honest. Whereas in the truck series and Xfinity series, I am going to focus more on, well, Ben Rhodes is typically pretty good at surviving and finishing very highly. And John Hunter Nemechek is going to have equipment and he's going to be able to survive, get in a safe position and get a good finishing position. There's not a lot of those drivers, to be honest, in the Xfinity series that I completely trust, but there's a handful of them. Christian Eckes is probably going to be in that group as well. Um, I might move Corey Heim into that group soon. He's been decent at super speedways. Maybe Nick Sanchez is now gonna be one of those guys after his Daytona win, got a good result here at Atlanta. We'll have to think about that moving forward and explore the data, but in the truck series, yeah, I am leaning heavily on stack in the back, but if I can definitely get a brand that I like, I mean, when I say brand, a driver, Then I will definitely lean in that direction. I will also expand my selection pool to include a Rhodes if he's not necessarily in the back or possibly a Sanchez or a Christian Eckes or maybe even a Bailey Curry this year who could be in some solid racing equipment. Let's look at the Xfinity series. Optimals as we wrap. Actually, we will save that for another podcast. This one's long enough. No one stays around for the whole entire thing. Race the is where you can go to get access to the fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, 30 bucks for the month of February, 12 bucks for a given weekend. If those numbers are too high, you can send me some emails and we can get into negotiations and we can try to work something out. Maybe we can't work anything out and then you just gotta wait until March and see what the package looks like. But it's worth a try, you never know. Race the Thank you for all the likes. I know I shouldn't overreact to getting dislikes, but I do. Sorry, I'm pretty thick-skinned in my life. You know, i English teacher. I'm used to people not being happy. We've got to read. Yep, that's kind of what we do in here is read. When do we not read? When we write, we've got to write. Yep, that's kind of what we do in here. So I'm used to complaints and gripes, but for some reason, the dislikes never necessary I just never quite get used to them but the good news is those are starting to disappear the likes are flying through the roof and I really appreciate you guys doing that I really appreciate the subscriptions the sharing the comments on the youtube pages the numbers are going up and up and up I wasn't sure that I could compete against some of these bigger websites I wasn't sure that I could compete with these well-funded websites that have tons of just money with rich people running things into that and nothing against rich people, more power to them. I don't resent them. It's just, it's hard to compete against people who have wads of cash and can spend, spend, spend. The only thing I can spend is time. The only thing I can spend is my resources and try to just outwork them Can't outspend them, but I can outwork them and I'm trying to do my best to do that to produce solid content and it seems like things are growing around here, things are going positive. I wasn't sure that I could do it. And we are making gains. And I think we're starting to be noticed by not just those websites, but by people around seeing like wow, this is some pretty useful content. This is going to help out. And you guys are responding in kind with of the likes and the subscribes and the shares and the views. And I can see the view times are increasing which is awesome as well. So let's keep it up. Let's keep at it. Uh, I am blessed to have you guys around. I love you guys. Trip lights fantastic.